Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutterman. I'm Andy Kinnick. And I'm JJ Artemis. And today, we're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts 2, a game that was developed by Square Enix <laughs> Product Development Division. One. One. Uh... <laughs> It was published uh, by Square Enix, released in 2005 on the PlayStation 2, and then 2014 on the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, Windows, and Switch. But first, <laughs> but first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Kingdom Hearts 2. And uh, so, for the listener's benefit, because this is not a visual mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. Uh, both uh, Andy and JJ are sitting in chairs that are like put them like a solid like six to eight inches above me. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be that's gonna reflect the level <laughs> of conversation, I believe, as well throughout the entire thing. Because uh, Kingdom Hearts Two is an action RPG game, uh, and one that I just played for the second time in my life. Uh, the first time being in 2005. Uh, and uh, that's that. That's the whole of my experience with it. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, Chad. I can, I can raise you up an inch or two on that. <laughs> Certainly you have to have feelings of some regard for this game we forced you at gunpoint to have feelings about over and over again. That is, I mean, it has come up a lot. I know more about this game than I do most games that I've only played. <laughs> One and a half times. (laughs) So that is definitely something. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to bring up uh, on the previous uh, epilogue episode for the first game Mm -hmm. uh, that I said that Bob Iger was the president of Disney when Kingdom Hearts 1 was made, and it was actually Michael Eisner. I oh messed that my up. Oh, I brought great shame thank you. on my family. I listened to that episode on the way up here, oh, and that yeah. was honestly the first thing that I thought of the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were just once again shitting on Bob I- Iger? Eisner? Bob Iger, yeah. yeah Michael sure. Eisner. Michael yeah. Eisner, mm-hmm. yeah. sure. Anyway. Yep. Uh, the, we always get... We, <laughs> I, we used the the rascal epilogue episode as a way for me to correct a years old mistake, mm-hmm. and now we're using the Kingdom Hearts two episode for you to correct a days old mistake. Yes, a three five eight over two days um, old mistake. Sure, you can't take this from me. You can't you can't fill this audio track with nonsense and, uh-huh. and burn runtimes that I have less time mm-hmm. to defend my baby Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> That's actually a good point because this episode is probably going to be long, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then I'll just go ahead and give my opinion and then I'll leave the room. <laughs> no, no. I want you. You're the neutral arbiter of opinions, Chad. Oh, I sure am not. <laughs> um. Well, okay, the way that I would describe Kingdom Hearts 2, and I think a way, I think a good thing to start with mm-hmm. is I would use the term excessive. Uh, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I would say that if you wanted to look at a Kingdom Hearts game that did excessive badly, it would be Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, but Kingdom Hearts 2 verges on using excess in excess to become just too much for me to handle, at least at my advanced age. It does have like a very like high priority on spectacle. It does. It's how I would put it. I I kind of suspect that both of you have been conspiring for a decade straight 
to delay this episode uh, as much as possible <laughs> so that I have to be like solidly in my 30s uh, when I have to go back to this game and like look at Kingdom Hearts' black leather turn. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that visually speaking, because you say spectacle and I say, hell yes, bring it on. Mm-hmm. I love spectacle. I think that this is Kingdom Hearts by way of WarioWare. Uh, and I found it to be an enormous problem with my ability to enjoy playing this game. Stay more. Uh, You're talking about the reaction commands? No, not even. This is the thing. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, right? <laughs> like, I've heard everything people talk about about Kingdom Hearts 2 in comparison to the other Kingdom Hearts games. And nobody goes, hey, how come in every level, every combat encounter has to be something different? Why is why do I have to collect morale orbs? Why do I have to do a flying carpet uh fucking like auto scroller section? Uh why any of these things? Like everything has a meter or a kind of orb to grab <laughs> or you're doing some totally mechanically unique thing. Uh, and it, the thing that Kingdom Hearts 2 does exceedingly well is combat, and it does everything in its power to sabotage that <laughs> at every turn. Yeah. I, I feel like it's trying to respond to the criticisms that like it's a button masher. Okay. So I think it puts you in those little scenarios where like you're like just Sora, and you have to like collect in Mulan or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to collect the morale orbs and fight the big centaur guy yeah. without Donald and Goofy there, and it's like it's trying to put you in like a more challenging scenario or like something where you have to think about not just pushing the x button right i think that's my read on why they do that stuff like the flying carpet thing i think they're just trying to do like a fun aladdin thing but like yeah i I know what you mean like they do try to it's that like uh variety like the early 2000s variety. variety yeah Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that this has apparently been a recurring topic on the show before because mm-hmm. <laughs> that was honestly my biggest read going back. Like putting my hand on the table here, uh, the story of our friendship, Andy, has been the story <laughs> of you slowly winning an argument about Kingdom Hearts 1 being better. Mm-hmm. It uh, does feel very good to win that. It does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Your victory shirt. laughs> I'll take my trophy. Correct. <laughs> The end of our friendship is when I just decide that every Kingdom Hearts game is actually bad. (laughs) But you're correct. The game is honestly just kind of inundated with a sort of vestigial design that used to very much be in vogue around the start of the PS2 era and kind of died uh, at the start of the era after that. Like understanding all this morale orb shit and the limits and the summons and how everything has to have like its own unique twist makes more sense in the context of a world where like advertising a game meant being able to turn over the box on the back and being having like a big thing written there that says like you can drive jeeps in this game right (laughs) right when when games were advertised based on the literal things that were possible to do in them and not as like cohesive pieces of media right like star fox could be sold as like the game where you flew around a ship and like that in itself was interesting because good ship flying was uh very much a rarity in that day and age but then in star fox 64 they were like you can also be in a sub and also in a in the land master uh both of which were i think we agree 
not better than flying the ship. <laughs> but it is an exact yeah. example it's, of this. It's okay. like the Bayonetta flying on the missile or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. You, you guys are going to have to be judicious in the things <laughs> in which you shit on while I'm in your presence. Because uh-huh. I... Don't I'm, don't defend the landmaster. I am here. here to defend the landmaster. I think he did on the episode oh, too. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh-huh. I didn't remember. Yeah, because yeah. it's such an unbelievable opinion to hold. <laughs> you can't. I came here training for a, for this particular conversation. That's true. That's like true. emotionally and physically. <laughs> so don't like right hook me with landmaster shit. All right. Well, we'll have to record a bonus episode called JJ defends, defends. the landmaster. Yeah, and we'll just keep naming things that we think are dumb and then you defend them uh i guess to go back to the beginning of the game uh i I was really curious what you chad thought about it because at the time i had played chain of memories when it came out in like 2003 or 4 whenever it did yeah um so like i knew what happened in that game i knew sora was asleep in an egg (laughs) <laughs> uh you know i knew who nominee was you know right but, but like and, and axel as well but like i think people who haven't played it would be surprised how little context you still have going into kh2 because they, they choose to present the story in a weird non-linear way and i think it has like negative um not implications, consequences. Sure, yeah. Uh, for, like, how you're introduced to certain characters and, like, their dynamics and stuff. Um, and you start off with this whole Roxas section, which reeks of Tetsuya Nomura played MGS2 to me, uh, where you start off playing as a different character. Uh, and it kind of feels like it wants to be like this, like, artsy little, like, self contained little game mm-hmm. where you, like, have this tragic story about Roxas and blah, blah, blah. So, like, I was wondering how all that landed for you. I know that's, like, a really big topic, but, like, because I remember at the time, me and everybody else I knew, like, kind of hated the beginning of this game, (laughs) but it's something I've grown to like more and more over the years, so I'm just wondering what you think of all of it. (laughs) Uh, Thinking about how I described uh, the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 1 as well, uh, which just happened recently. Uh, it, it, I think that comparison is important because my if the bl- the like short snappy explanation of what I think about the beginning of Kingdom Hearts two is too long, comma snoozers, uh, <laughs> because it was I I just it was so much to do without really having much payoff to it. Like it, particularly when they're just I, I mean the obvious one is make money. By doing mini games, which I didn't want to do any of, and had to just repeat the skateboarding one over and over again because I could finish it in eight seconds by the time that I was well practiced. Uh, And so I would just do that one until I had the amount. And then when I finished it, I was like, I probably didn't have to do that. I probably could have just left. Um, But I I think that is true. I don't think you have to. (laughs) But I did do that. And there's all this running back and forth. And you gotta go out the hole in the wall so you can go find the mansion. And you gotta go, like, up here. And you gotta go down here and do this. And listen to them talk about schoolwork and stuff. And it it's played in such a... It, it's like, it tries to do both ways of handling the intro. And ends up kind of missing on both for me. Like, I think if it wants to be a slice of life where it's these kids 
and their mundane, boring t- stuff that they do uh, to entertain themselves, and then throw you into like the crazy high concept data city situation Mm -hmm. i think you have to go hard on that but then it also introduces like oh now roxas is seeing like glitches in the matrix and it keeps cutting away to like nomine or to xehanort or whoever the fuck they were talking (laughs) to uh in these like little cutscenes to add intrigue but they should have just shortened it and did one or the other it's, uh, it's high concept for 14-year-olds, is what it is. Oh, it's high it, concept for me. Nomura really <laughs> wants to do the high concept thing, but uh, I, it, you know, is, is constrained by the audience in a certain way. It, it's ironic because a lot of the things that Nomura has historically tried to indulge in are only really acceptable at the time he did so because <laughs> his audience was mostly 14-year-olds and, like, vibed <laughs> with him on that level. Uh, but, you know... You can't. I'm imagining what you're thinking of in your head, Chad, when you're talking about really leaning into the slice of life thing, which clearly was the intent on some level, right. would be like actually making the slice of life stuff you were doing around the world really boring and not trying to do like a mini game thing where you make pushing a cart up a hill fun. Yeah. Okay. They didn't succeed in doing that, yeah. by the way. <laughs> I think it would have been cool, like, as you suggest, it is padded out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been cool if they kept it more mysterious. Like you said, they keep cutting away. If it had been, like, held off on the reveal, I think that would be cool. They put a really weird foot forward, speaking of high concept. The first thing that happens is, like, the the nobody, like, main fodder enemies steal pictures, steal photographs from yeah. people in town. But not just that, they steal people's ability to say the word photograph. Right. And it's just, like, not really explained very well in the cutscene where the people are like, oh, they stole our... And then it's just, like, an underscore in, like, the the, the, the text, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the subtitles. And it's, like, weirdly high concept and confusing. And then, like, it eventually is explained, and you're like, oh... That's weird. Right. <laughs> like... Well, what is explained is that the nobodies stole the photo and the word photo. Right. Correct. What they don't explain is how or why that's the, the nobodies think... are like infiltrating it and it's supposed to be a signal that the city is not real but that that is not something that is like communicated to you. Yeah, I think it's explained there's a part where right after that happens where Ansem and Riku are discussing what's going on. They're like, Organization 13 has found this simulated town that we're hiding Sora in. Mm. Uh, and they've sent the nobodies to get Roxas, but it's all data to them. So they found pictures of Roxas thinking they were the same thing, and that's why they stole them. It's very weird, st- very strange thing to jump right in on, and like, yeah. is a good, like, kind of microcosm of like how the beginning of this game is very confusing and i love it and i love it and it's great and i would not change anything about that particular weird high concept feature of the intro i think like chad that if this game was remade in the modern day well in a circumstance in which people who develop games just kind of trust their audiences a lot more in lots of different regards than they used to yeah there would so many things about like the old Kingdom Hearts games would be different. The UI would be different. The information bar of which you so profoundly hate. I fucking hate would it. Would be would be absent. The violator, I think. Well yeah, we call them all like the menu based violators. Yeah. The kind of inundate Kingdom Hearts design are 
very much from a prior era and very much under the assumption that it was like necessary to communicate to that for business reasons to children. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I respect what they did and I'm trying not to be too rose colored glasses about the kind of choices that were realistically realistic for them to make under the circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it too. Like it has a nostalgic charm to me. And I think like the, the music, like the Twilight Town theme is one of my favorite songs in the series. Cause I think it really nails that like lazy summer afternoon, like summer vacation, like fleeting time in your life. Like, I think it really captures a vibe yes. like all of Twilight Town. Um, which carries it a lot for me. And like, yeah, it's just like, it is <laughs> going back over it though. Like I'm so used to it at this point that like looking at it, like with critical eyes for the podcast, I was like, man, this is a really weird <laughs> opening. Um, it just re it, like it re stood back out to me mm-hmm. like it did when I played it the first time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I respect the effort to kind of reflect back to the player the anticipation that is building for the sequel to the semi-mysterious game, right? Like, well, I think you're correct that Nomura played Metal Gear Solid 2 is, is, you know, from where we're sitting at in the modern day, like, probably what happened on some level. Like, I do think that for the same reason that worked in the context of Metal Gear Solid 2, it works for similar reasons in this game. It's not like they just, like, dragged and dropped the opening into some random unrelated project. It's still a sequel in which the like existing protagonist has a lot of goodwill built up around them and in which players were expecting to get into the game and finally rejoin this ragtag group of friends and also Goofy, who I don't think is really <laughs> a friend so much as sort of a, a dog who speaks English. Yeah, I, I think it would work like flawlessly for me if it wasn't so long. Like I think you could cut like two hours of content out of it. It's like a six hour intro. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it is that long, but I, I guess it depends on I think how you play five it. To five to six hours is what it says if you look it up. Oh wow! Yeah, it's because it is a while. I was putting the cutoff before the game becomes fun to play at eight hours, which mm-hmm. I feel like there's a good portion of Sora's part that isn't very fun either, and it takes a bit to warm up. So I want to say that the intro is shorter than mm-hmm. that, but I, maybe I just really got through it quick. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's there is a lot there though, and also like just to the point of like ha- you having played Chain of Memories and everything. I always, when I go to a Kingdom Hearts game, am coming at it from the worst imaginable position <laughs> mm-hmm. because I like I know about Chain of Memories, the game. I have a general idea of how it works, and I've heard its plot described to me, but only ever in the context of how it relates to other Kingdom Hearts games. Mm-hmm. So I don't have like a holistic experience of, of many of the Kingdom Hearts games. I have little bits and bobs that bleed in. So like when Organization 13 is on screen, I'm always trying to like fucking word scramble their names. I'm like, do I know this one? Is this somebody that I know? The, they drop a line that's like, oh, we found a new recruit Mar something. Mar-lucia. And I, it's Marluxia. And it took me like the rest of the cutscene to remember that name. And when I did finally remember it, I realized that I hadn't paid attention to anything else that they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> so, like, anytime that something comes up, like, Nominee showed up, I was like, I know who Nominee is. And the game makes a big deal about, like, getting to that. Like, this is Nominee. And, like, some people are going to know. 
and other people aren't. And then some people kind of know <laughs> and don't understand the implication, but feel like they've done the work because they've heard Andy say it before. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, the story of this game is, is something that I knew from the outset was not going to be the intended experience when I, yeah. when I played it. I, I feel like at the time, like I knew a lot of people that hadn't played chain of memories and like, I feel like they all kind of assumed that if you had, you'd understand perfectly what's going on. And that's like actually not, <laughs> not, not the case. There's so many interviews from like 2004 in which no more is like, you really need to play chain of memories. <laughs> like they could be... I, I honestly don't think it even helps that much. I, I mean, it's an interview, right? Like, yeah, no yeah, one's yeah. Ad- <laughs> Nothing no more says. He's covering his ass. <laughs> Correct. It's just the desperation of like the tiny person in the corner trying to stop the wave that is washing <laughs> over in front of him. It's amusing. Lots of amusing tidbits from Nomura interviews. Uh, like the X name thing. Also from like other like Kingdom Hearts 1 Chain of Memories eras thing. There were a lot of people noticing that like, oh, all these people have X's in their names. Uh-huh. What's going on with that? And his response is like, oh, it's a, it's an incredible secret that will be revealed. <laughs> He's like so proud of the stupid anagram thing. Yeah, it's I'm great. A, hold on. I have to, just, I'm going to get this in right now uh-huh. and let it forever be known. The anagram name plus put an X in there. Actually pretty cool as like a cipher. Like if you're just literally doing it for like the sake of these character names, I think it's a cool way of going about it. I've never seen anyone do it other than him i also think it's cool i have my own complaints about organization 13 oh yeah there's (laughs) lots of complaints but like the the name thing is actually pretty cool but like they do really force it with some of them oh yeah yeah. (laughs) absolutely aren't there still like some people that just like they're they're somebody yeah i think i was literally just gonna struggle with that yeah is it like like demix is one of them uh like larkscene and marluxia got ones in the mobile games right like oh god el rain i think is larkseen's name and uh that's actually like sick. lumeria i think is marluxia's name or something like that yeah but yeah it's definitely i think demix might be the only one left now okay but yeah the oh, fact that that is... Is maybe no his name's alias whatever fuck demix anyway i don't know uh, yeah, fuck uh, yeah demix might be boys. the only one anyway <laughs> Is Demix the guitar guy? Yeah, he's yeah, the guitar yeah. guy. Yeah, fuck Demix. He's whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm glad he dies first. Uh, where were we? Uh, we're going to be exactly where I'm placing us, which is... Uh-huh. Yeah, we need to switch to a new topic. <laughs> I-, I thought that's what you were going to do. Well, it is, yeah, okay. but then you just be like... You're just, whatever. You're, whatever. We're getting in the group. How do you guys feel about Sora? As 30-year-old adults. Uh, I think it's very funny how abruptly and clearly his voice changed between the games. Like, it was a known thing that I knew about going into this, but when I heard it, I was immediately like, whoa. Like, it's significantly different than it used to be, Mm -hmm. uh, which is always shocking to me. Yeah, I I like Sora. Um, I I like him the most, obviously, in KH1, because I have KH1 bias. Uh Um, But I like the progression of his character in this one. I I actually think, like, Haley Joel Osment's voice getting deeper, like, reflecting in, like, Sora actually aging up is, like, kind of cool that that just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, I think that adds something to it. Uh, But, yeah, I, I, I think this is, like right before things got bad for the character <laughs> like, like <laughs> i think he's actually like well written and represented as like a 
positive protagonist. Like this was from the era of like the cloud strife brooding JRPG protagonist. And I like the, when you have one that's like optimistic uh, and one that you like believe people would rally behind and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's done well here. And I, I just don't like how just it, his character jumps off a cliff after two though. But we're not Never here to, talk to return. About that. Yeah, we're not here to talk about. <laughs> so yeah, that. like in this game, I I do like it. It feels a little bit more uh, childish than in the first one. Weirdly, even though he's older, but like I don't think it goes too far with it. Okay. Man, if I if I'm being like extremely honest, I feel nothing for Sora. <laughs> like I in both games, I I Sora doesn't do enough i i don't think to really like he establishes a character but it's not anything it's probably because i've played the games before it to me replaying them it's just like i had an expectation of what sorrow was going to be and he played exactly to that without deviation and it never so he doesn't feel it didn't it didn't do anything i just knew that i was playing Sora, and he acted the way that i expected Sora to act he's like uh we gotta go find Rika and Kairi. <laughs> Broken record. This fucking guy? That's a direct quote from Kingdom Hearts that I added the word fucking to. They do kind of like hold him back forever really growing past a certain point. Uh, like he has a character arc in one, but like in two, I feel like he never really gets much. Uh, like he, he, they don't really let, like develop his relationship with Riku or Kairi in this one, uh, or Donald or Goofy. You know, like he just kind of. I don't know. It's just kind of more of the same in this one. He doesn't get like a speech, like a Kingdom Hearts is light or like a my friends are my power in this game. Uh, I mean, through the development of the game, I mostly agree. But I, I think at the very least, he gets the final beat in the arc that was set up in one in which his friendships are, you know, finally healed. Yeah. Like, th- like the whole ending sequence, I think, is not just meaningful, but like necessary to tie up a lot of the things that occurred in the games before between him and Riku specifically. Mm-hmm. Kairi still isn't much of anything. And I agree that like <laughs> he's still intended to be just like a positive force to contrast with other brooding things in the background that Nomura wanted to put in, mm-hmm. which some, some work very, very well, uh, others to a lesser extent. But I admire the goal, like especially the, the straight transition from the intro from like Roxas to Sora and like how, you're kind of like smacked upside the head with like goofy fun friend times after <laughs> all of this like Hainer Pence Olet depression. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it does well for his extremely immature one note character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this whole game he's put on pause until the end. Till like Riku comes back. Yeah. Uh I have one word in defense of Kyrie here, because I know oh, that it's wow. sort of like a meme. <laughs> that they set up Kyrie as being, like, the primary reason that Sora does half the stuff that he does. Uh, exactly half, because the other half is Riku. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she does nothing. And when they you think that they're going to set her up to do something, she instead chooses to do nothing anyway. <laughs> uh, that is all true. However, there's a scene in Kingdom Hearts 1 where she's running on the beach and laughing like a six-year-old who just threw their dad's keys in the garbage disposal. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I got the scene well. Yeah. And 
this game made her make it made her different in a way that made me for even a second forget that scene <laughs> and I appreciated it a lot. Why is your immediate association with happiness like fucking over your dad majorly? <laughs> it's not, it's, if you don't it's remember the this laugh. scene, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's running like this. Uh-huh. I remember this. Like, I remember the fucking okay. scene, Andy. <laughs> I remember the this. Do you remember the laugh? No, I it's, don't remember the laugh. It is, mm-hmm. it is pure And like the PS2 evil. texture face uh-huh. as well. Like it really... It really is a goofy scene. Yeah, it's very terrible. And then she just vanishes forever. And it's like that scene, and then you don't see her for another 16 hours. <laughs> and so that's like the lasting impression of Kyrie in your head for most of that game. And this one, man, they sure didn't do anything to help her out, really. Because she, she doesn't remember anything. Then she does remember something, and then she is immediately kidnapped. <laughs> like her ability to to have agency on the story is literally shut down the moment <laughs> that it is brought up as a potential topic. Yeah, and like the thing that always stung the most about Kyrie to me is how the end of this game like sets it up for like Sora, Riku, and Kyrie to go on an adventure together in mm-hmm. the next game, and it never happens. <laughs> They're like, no, actually, Kyrie doesn't do anything, <laughs> as always. <laughs> Great costume design, though. If I, if in I, two? Yeah, in two. If mm. I was given her design in one and be like, make her an adventure teen, <laughs> they met the brief exactly. They did pull off adventure teen, to some degree, at least. <laughs> they did. Come on, grab your friends. <laughs> oh, they're like. Uh, did you have thoughts on Sora? Oh, yeah. None that weren't already represented between the two of you, honestly. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the older I get, the less I like him as you know on, on a personal level, and the more uh, I am rubbed the wrong way by his immaturity. But uh, to a certain extent, the game needs an immature protagonist so that there can be, like, other wizened people to like point at Sora and be you know like the cloak in the door to darkness that says like you're a fucking dumbass kid who knows nothing <laughs> yeah. look at all my dictionary words and all my implications of power and knowledge I, I think that is that's a significant issue with because I know that Kingdom Hearts 2 is where we have sort of collectively decided that the story decides that it's going to start doing its own thing as opposed to really playing into its strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that Sora is an immature protagonist fits way better when 90% of the game's plot takes place with Tarzan, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> when, now that there's so much more where it feels like they want there to be more at stake, Sora now feels like kind of an inappropriate protagonist for those moments. And Roxas seems like he was invented to fill that void. Mm -hmm. And Riku, too. True, yeah. But they have to put Riku in a hood and hide him until the last, (laughs) like, 20 minutes of the game. Uh, Which is, I don't know. I'd say he also had potential, and then they hid him from you. (laughs) That one makes decisions. more sense to me, though. Sure, yeah. They want it to be like a mystery as to whether or not he's dead, mm-hmm. but you know that he isn't, <laughs> so it doesn't really work. Yeah. So, do we want to discuss uh, reaction commands or drive forms? 
<laughs> this episode is just us beating up JJ. It's really hard for me to even read what the what that reaction was, honestly. I mean, to a, okay. It to seems a like extent, sadness. The thing that I have most to say about reaction commands and drive forms were already represented before. Like, this game has too much shit in it. It comes from an era in which just <laughs> filling a game with shit was intended to be like a positive thing you can market the game as and not like a super confusing thing uh, in retrospect. Like games these days have, they, they tend to be not judicious, not only with, you know, game design elements and the power of the player, but they tend to be judicious with the attention of the player in a way that is not true of the PS2 era. Like, Another thing, if, if Kingdom Hearts 2 was remade today, I suspect that tons of the, like, ancillary shit um, that you have access to, all your spells, all your summons, all your drive forms, would be more constrained within the context of something like the abilities system, so that the game can have some approximation of, like, builds and feel more like an RPG instead of just, like, an action game with a progression curve. Um, you have too much shit going on. There, there's just... If the player could instead opt in to these certain mechanics and take other options off the table, uh, there would be less room for you to be thinking through, like, what is the optional optimal action to be taking at any point in time uh, they give you so many tools and then tend to like not raise the difficulty of the game high enough to force you to make use of them so you just kind of have like a junk drawer somewhere full of all <laughs> this amazing shit you can do that you've never had to think about or look at and you can get through almost the entirety of the game without touching it uh, until a Roxas boss fight happens, uh -huh. and then you, and then the game is suddenly testing you on skills that were never yeah. required before. Then, even if you had access to them for like thirty hours, yeah. Or if you play on critical mode, sure. which I found out this time because I'd never done it before. Same. I my junk drawer included <laughs> magic because I just didn't use it for the whole game, and it never forced me to. Uh, and, and unlike until Fire that Emblem. And other similar <laughs> games that I love uh -huh. uh, that you that you engage with less than me that makes me <laughs> like like my brain kind of stutter step. Uh, I don't think it's your fault at all that you didn't engage with it. In fact, I think you represent pretty much the average experience of players with the game, uh, in that you played on normal and you pressed the attack button, and occasionally you pressed the triangle button, <laughs> and then you cured when you needed to. Which sure. I never pressed the triangle button. So my, I, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like that you group reaction commands and drive oh, forms I, into I meant, the same thing. I, I meant to like pick one or the other and oh, talk no, about that. He did it too. Yeah, both of you were like reaction commands and drive forms. Well, I didn't mean to group them together. With oh, okay. this or that. Take it off the cast. We can fight about <laughs> and the meta conversation of who should have brought up what later. Chad. Well, I'm just saying, because reaction commands are terrible and shouldn't have ever existed, <laughs> limits are worse. And drive forms are like, they're not Doom 2016 glory kills, but they are like Doom Eternal blood punch. Like, it is a thing that is implemented into the game that to me became part of the rhythm of the game. Yeah. I liked being able to drop in and out of them. You could do it in the middle of a combo. The coolest I ever felt in this game is when you start a combo and then do the 
whatever he says let's end this like he slams the sword down and mm-hmm. they shoot up in the air and then you jump after him and then you start hitting him again and right before that combo ends you go into valor form and then you continue the combo until he does the one where he shoots way too far off to continue doing it mm-hmm. it's like a 179 hit combo that you just do and it looks cool and it's sick and it's only made possible through the use of drive forms mm-hmm. uh and I think that that mechanic is really good. I wish they had not put it on the the command menu <laughs> uh, because the command menu is confusing um, it, as not to use, but why it exists. Uh, whereas I think that the reaction commands, like anytime that I use like 90% of them, it was an accident. Mm-hmm. limits a hundred percent of the time it was an accident because like the character that got swapped into my party automatically has an ability that changes the the reaction command to their limit whenever it's available mm-hmm. and so i try to do a reaction command and instead i'm like back to back with beast <laughs> using my entire magic meter <laughs> on somebody who's a hundred miles away and isn't even taking damage yes this is to your comment here mm-hmm this is like what I appreciated about looking back at Kingdom Hearts 2 in preparation for this cast uh, is kind of learning and understanding how if the, the rest of the design of this game was a little bit more polished and targeted toward an audience that would be more accommodating of being forced to have like a higher skill floor, this game could have been like, it has the tools to be an action game more similar to like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta if it really wanted to, mm-hmm. but there's no actual reason for you to ever engage <laughs> with the game at like that level of complexity and skill. Um, even like the, the super difficult boss fights tend to invalidate so many of those options that you can integrate into combos that it's like not really the same experience. There would need to be the kinds of difficulty spikes that would like make AOE Firagas good, right? Uh, the kind of things that would force you to have to engage with the loops where you use up your magic bar in a combo and then know preemptively that, like, because your magic is empty, you're gaining more drive forms now with hits. So, like, the, the it, it would give a purpose to all these systems that are incentivizing you to be continuously aggressive uh, in a way that would be really cool in lots of other games that we have played before. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, unless you're playing on critical mode and like forcing yourself to engage with all those systems, which can be super just stupidly finicky because they have so many loose ends. The ex- the way experience levels up for the drive forms, mm-hmm. how c- absolutely crucial the drive form <laughs> movement abilities are just universally if you want to get good at the game. Yeah, yeah. Like drive commands, like I also really like, um, but I think they got the design backwards because I think they're supposed to be like a devil trigger. And mm-hmm. I think making it a meter that depletes rather than something that charges up is a mistake because whenever it, it de- disincentivizes you from using it because it takes forever to charge back up. So you're like, if I use this, it's going to be fucking like a half hour before I have it back again. Mm-hmm. So I never really liked that about it. But, so true. Um, Very correct. Um, yeah, and I, I think it is dumb that like dodge roll, high jump, these like really crucial movement abilities are locked behind leveling them up and like some of them are easy like valor form it just how many slashes you do one slash is an experience point that's how it levels up yeah you're just gonna do that but like uh wisdom form is like only levels up when you kill heartless 
and master form only levels up when you get drive orbs <laughs> and limit form is how many limit finishers you do like they're like these really specific requirements and you have to like look up a guide for a way to do it that doesn't take a thousand years because <laughs> uh, like if you leave a world uh, before the drive depletes and then you come back it feels full again oh yeah so a- you have to like find these specific grind spots so where you can go <laughs> and like you can grind out as many as you can run back to the save point before you lose the meter go to the world map then come back and then you have a full meter again so you can just loop it and like you'd never figure that out on your own and it would take you like a thousand million years to to get anywhere it's- with <laughs> leveling them up it's purposeless depth like, the game is way deeper than you think it is for no obvious reason within the context of the mm-hmm. game itself. At least, and at least in the vanilla version. Like, I think adding the Cavern of Remembrance and the data fights in the final mix version goes a long way towards, like, getting you there. Yeah. Like, I, upon, like, the, my last two playthroughs of, like, the PS4 version of the game, I feel like I engaged with and understand this game so much more than I did, like, the fucking six times I played it as a teenager. <laughs> mm-hmm. As a just as a side note, the fact that the drive meter doesn't refill when you stand at a save point is one of the more asinine decisions that I've ever seen. <laughs> yep. Uh not ever. In this game, it's one of the dumber decisions. I, I also I don't know if I'm in the minority on this. I never hear people talk about it, but like I absolutely hate how they change the way magic works. Um, like I hate that using cure uses your whole health bar, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then when you deplete it, it's a timer to refill, like hitting stuff to refill the bar is a much better system. It's very simple. It's easy to understand. Yeah. Uh, I I don't, I also am not a big, that's part of the reason Now you know, because you were actually there when I played a lot of kingdom hearts one, I didn't really use magic very much in kingdom hearts one either. Um, that's just not really my style. I don't like going to the shortcut menus and shit. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Kingdom Hearts 2, the magic meter and the fact that it introduces it as uh, fucking MP charge and it goes, learn about MP charge. And it gives me three slides that don't explain what MP charge means. <laughs> I didn't know until yesterday that MP charge was just the name of the magic mechanic. Mm-hmm. Like it is it, like the fact that the bar runs out and then recharges is MP charge. And you can make spells not do that. You can just refuse to allow yourself to cast them if it would run you out of magic. And I don't understand, nor could I find any reasonable explanation online, what the utility of allowing you to do that is. Like, it's... It's if you actually use magic, like you can get like a lot of use out of spells before it has to recharge. So like you can fire off a bunch of big damage finishers and shit with magic. Mm-hmm. And then when you have like this much left, like then use cure. So you're like, like optimizing like the, uh, the charge time instead of just like from full casting cure and then like not making use of the magic bar. Right. But if you were optimizing, you would just know how much magic you had and wouldn't have to go toggle a setting to do it. Uh, You could just go, okay, I have this much magic left. Now I use cure. (laughs) For reference, I still disagree with you on this MP. I still prefer Mm. the Kingdom Hearts 2 MP system, Uh, but I think this podcast has been filled with enough pedantry and negativity. Already, uh-huh. 
<laughs> I have to defend uh, my baby. I guess, and then on the topic of reaction commands, I guess. Oh, I want him to defend the, his baby. <laughs> oh, I, I want to know what makes saying, the magic meter. I thought he was Kingdom specifically saying better. he didn't want to do it. I, yeah, I did specifically say that <laughs> oh, I'm not going to do that. I, I, Maybe I, you should respect my feelings. <laughs> that's not how I interpreted what you said. Uh-huh. I still don't know. I'm going to leave this room today not knowing what makes it good. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with having that over on my shoulders. Okay. Okay. I like that the game took a step to specifically disincentivize the use of Cure. I like that the game makes Cure less powerful relative to items so that it can also, in like fight back against the classic RPG tendency of never use items ever, even though in this game, items are mostly just better than cure. <laughs> uh, I, I like having an incentive to use all of your existing spells and then cure after that at like the end of an existing combo. That's what I like. There's still systems in the game designed to incentivize and reward attacking. They're just tied to the drive meter and other weird vestigial systems that kingdom hearts 2 is covered with if i have to pick one of the two i'm still going to go with two but I, my feelings on it are nowhere near as strong as your <laughs> feelings against it yeah i just I, i've always thought it was interesting because people seem to like praise like the hollow knight system mm-hmm. which i think kingdom hearts 1 system is very similar to where you have like the magic resource to cure then you hit stuff to refill it. Like I, don't, I just think that's such a, like a more intuitive system, and I just, I never hear anyone else talk about it. I mean, you cut it down to nuts and bolts. Literally, it is the same. Like it is both the meter that you expend to do magic abilities and to heal in both games, mm-hmm. and they're both filled with melee combat. So, it, and that always that spoke to me because of how simple it was and easy to understand. I do see what you're saying, especially in terms with the drive meter, because it having both of them tied to the same resource in that case being attacking things uh is would it would make it perfunctory there's you're just you could make the drive and the magic the same meter at that point mm-hmm. uh which would actually almost make sense because why does the drive meter have five levels to it like it goes above that too yeah like why did Later i have again. five levels of of valor form or whatever because it just feels like uh, like it could be a single meter that allowed you that just got bigger, like your health and magic do. Uh, so yeah, it's a, there's a lot of kind of like I it it felt important because it was an obvious choice. They made a choice to change the magic system, and from my experience of playing Kingdom Hearts one, it I was like obviously this is because Cure was too good. Like, mm-hmm. you just used Cure, a lot of people, myself included, that's the only spell that you used at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you could just make it more expensive, though. Like, it costs more magic. Like, I think there are better ways to balance it than have it just make it so you can't use magic for, like, 20 seconds or whatever. Right. I mean, you use items. That's true. Like, ethers. I do so. like that point. It incentivizes you to use items more. I don't like that point. And maybe we can close out on this because one of the things that I don't yeah, let's like. Let's close out on that, let's, Chad. Let's, let's close cl- out on why my point's bad. Not, no, no, no. I, not on why your point's bad. I, why I, one of the things that I don't like about Kingdom Hearts, the entire franchise, is that using items in combat is like an enormous giant hassle. You can choose, if you want to use any spells, 
then you can put one, maybe two items as a shortcut. And if you're actively using spells, then you want that item to be an ether. And if you're not using spells, then it doesn't matter what the other item is because you just put a potion of some kind as the thing. So it feels like it's catering to the wrong audience in its system. Yeah, only having four shortcuts does like neuter a lot of parts of like the command menu so yeah but, but all of this is taking the command menu for granted which i think we're all in agreement is like a thing that is was barely acceptable at the time let alone now <laughs> uh, it's something yeah. that, like i think makes sense though if you're trying to adapt the ideas of rpg combat to an action rpg game but they make kingdom hearts way too fucking fast mm -hmm. to do it yeah. like it would be cool if that was your only way of accessing items so you had to like find a safe time in battle to go do it mm -hmm. there's no safe time in battle <laughs> the guy's doing a backflip and he's coming for you right now and he's shooting laser beams out of swords and you're like uh, gotta hold on. Let me find my mega elixirs. You're not gonna find them. You're just gonna die. <laughs> yeah. That's why cure was such a staple because yeah. you would just shortcut it to like muscle memory to X use it in or, a second yeah. and a half. Um. Yeah. yeah. I feel like. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah. I feel like it would have to be way simpler. Like if you were gonna like make it work today. Like I really liked what they tried to do in three, where you had like you could equip three different keyblades and they could have different loadouts mm -hmm. and you cycled through them with the d-pad but like yeah i don't know i feel like you'd have to yeah like there'd have to be less spells or like less summons or like there's so many things and not enough space in the command menu like you have there's if you could condense it i think the command menu could still be really cool today but yeah it just had to be simplified i want to be clear here we've had this whole conversation about like weird rest of vestigial systems and like mechanical changes that we didn't like and like weird old elements of the game but like chad if i remember correctly you were talking about liking the action components of this game overall oh 100 percent, right? yeah yeah my favorite part of the game <laughs> so then what is the the element of the action that made you enjoy it nonetheless uh like i said i think it takes a long time to get started like for it to actually begin to to do things well but to me like you ever played that game Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? I sure have. And you know how they put Sora in as, like, the last character? Mm -hmm. And they built his entire kit around being, like, an aerial fighter and that he, like, hits people when they're in the air? And that, having now played the first two games back-to-back, -back, clearly comes from this game. Like, Sora can fly and glide and shit in Kingdom Hearts 1, and it's cool, but his his actual aerial combat abilities are not that impressive. And I liked, once you got into it and could... I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I guessed that it was, and mm -hmm. just dumped every AP up that I got in the whole game onto Sora. Correct. And never yeah. used it on anybody else. Yeah. Um, so he, like, being able to choose a bunch of abilities was cool, but you would get abilities that were just, like, con continually expanding the combos that you do in the air. And then, much to my surprise, as somebody who played Kingdom Hearts 3, actually making you press other buttons uh, in order to do things. And so there were little optimizations that I thought were fun, as well as, like, positioning. I wish that the dodge roll was just something you had available always because I feel like it would make the positioning more engaging as opposed to just, Oh no, I have to jump or run out of the way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like the fact that you could set up these combo strings and uh, go from 
really getting your ass kicked by like four or five enemies to being like four or five enemies is the normal amount of enemies that I can beat with no problem. Uh, like going that progression and the fact that like it just keeps ramping up and it's ridiculous scale was very entertaining for me and kept me actually wanting to play. It also made me really not like boss fights very much. I think like aerial recovery is one of like the most satisfying moves to use in any game. Yeah. We're going to have to take a break. Yeah. Because everyone is going to beat me to a pulp. I just didn't equip it for like 90% of the game. After I got the the square version of it that did an attack. Oh, yeah. Okay. I re-equipped it on the fight with uh, the wind man. Oh, yeah, Zaldin. Yeah, Zaldin. Zaldin the Wind Man. Because if you use the square on that, he just would kill you instantly. <laughs> and I would muscle memory to it. So I had to unequip it and put Ariel back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that that was going to be controversial. I was like, <laughs> I'm never going to use this if I can just keep attacking. <laughs> uh, uh, well, do you want to beat Chad up off my after, after the, the break? break. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should should have seen that coming. I shouldn't have said off mic. What are we uh, we talking about on second half? Welcome back. Uh, You don't care about about Sora at all, as has been established. You care about anyone else. Do you have feel? Do you have feelings about this game, Chad? Or yeah, this yeah, yeah, I do, and I also have feelings about like the characters, generally speaking. Like, it's not that I don't care about Sora; it's just that I felt like what they did with Sora was kind of expected, I guess. Like, there wasn't much there for me to to really grab onto to say that I liked or disliked. Um, I thought that uh, throughout the series, you have to understand. And when I say you, I don't mean you guys, because you very obviously already understand (laughs) uh, that we're talking about games, video games that were released in the early 2000s, which did not have a particularly high standard for this kind of a thing. But I do find that there is a weird amount of just stark flat silence in dialogue and that the dialogue itself is written in a very sort of catchphrase way. Um, and I think that that kind of hampers a lot of the inner character interaction. But I'll say that, like, there are a lot of characters introduced that I can't, that I don't care about. There's a lot of characters that they make it really hard to care about, like every member of Organization 13, who, if you're not a scholar, <laughs> you cannot keep, like, straight. Like, who is who? The fact that they're all wearing the same outfit is not helpful to a newcomer <laughs> to the series. Uh, and then there are characters that I think they actually care about and do a good job of, of uh, putting through. I think that... Uh, I think that Axel is a good example of this in Kingdom Hearts 2. I think that uh, the introduction of Xehanort as a character is so much stronger than the... Do you mean Xemnas? Well, I mean Xehanort like... Oh, like as in... Yeah, yeah, when they give him a name, Yeah, right? Like he actually has like... Apprentice Xehanort. Apprentice Xehanort, and they bring him in and they make him more menacing as a villain is so much more successful than later when they try and make him the uber villain of the whole franchise. So I I think that they did some good work with the 
actual like main villains and i think that they i think that they actually introduced a character and then killed a character off big quotes in a way that was effective i thought axel's arc was actually pretty strong um even though he has the exact same fault as a lot of the O thirteen people do where he's just like Oh, I'm here to help you, but it's, it's a ruse. And then later he's like, but no, this time, really. <laughs> and then also there's Pete and Maleficent. Yeah, this game is way <laughs> too Pete heavy, I will say. Yeah, they had that. I think everyone agrees on that. The, 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 the dev team just really had a thing for Pete. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that came across like in the text itself, but like, like the, the office had like cardboard cutouts of Pete. Like it was a thing. That's a real fact. Real fact. Yeah, that explains a lot. Honestly, there's a lot of Pete memorabilia. Like, why did Pete have to? He was he was like in everything. For a long time. Like the first half of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the idea of including Pete a lot. Uh-huh. Like like doing more creative things with the Disney characters is always a good thing in my book. But like he's in there a lot, but like I think even worse than that, like it doesn't amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Like Pete and Maleficent are just running around doing fuck all in this game <laughs> and it doesn't amount to nothing happens with them. Like she she helps you in the final level, you didn't get to it, but like, she just like kills some nobodies for you, and like that's it. Like yeah. it just like doesn't nothing happens with Pete Maleficent, and it just had ripple effects for the whole series. They still don't know what to do with them, and they're still running around in the background doing nothing. Yep, they still did nothing in Kingdom Hearts Three. Yeah, again, they came out thirteen years later. So strange. Yeah. That's what I think about characters, though. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Yeah. I'm glad to know what you think about characters. Also, I, actually, one point of, of emphasis that needs to be made. Yes. The reason that the game is too Pete-heavy is because of Pete's voice actor. Mm-hmm. And it's not his fault. It's not like I think he did a bad job. He does Pete's voice. <laughs> and Pete's voice is inappropriate for every sequence that they put Pete into. It's <laughs> like if you fucking tried to remake... I don't know, the Manchurian candidate and you cast the guy who plays Ernest from fucking <laughs> Ernest goes to prison. Like, it's not... These are not comparable things. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in, like, the um, the Pride Lands. Like, he's like a doofy stupid lion with Pete's face. <laughs> Big fan of the doofy stupid Pete lion. Exactly the kind of stuff that we're wanting through all of Kingdom Hearts. And he just, like, falls down Pride Rock and, like, farts. God, fuck Pete. Yeah, fuck Pete? Yeah. Uh, so, in this game, it's structured in such that you go to all the Disney worlds twice. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you had any thoughts about that. No. <laughs> I thought it was a real slap in the face, but it's because of the the situation I was in. Because yeah. I thought I was done. And then they said, go back to every world again. Yeah. And I said, I do not want to do that. <laughs> and But I had to anyway. Yeah, I've always felt kind of torn about it. Because, like, in theory, I like the idea of returning to all of them for, their, like, a second quest, basically. Uh, but, like paradoxically, even though there's probably more content, it feels like it makes the levels feel shorter. I want to talk about, like, levels generally. Yeah. But this this feeds into one particular thing that I had to note, which was that 
uh, I mentioned before, I don't remember if it was even on the podcast or if it was some other time, that I had a difficult time remembering what worlds were in Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2. And playing it again, I had no idea how much overlap there actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty enormous. Like, uh, most of them are are returning worlds from Kingdom Hearts 1, or at the very least half. Um and so going through them again, it was it was interesting because it was a stark contrast to how they were designed in the first game, but then also just the fact that I kept going back and then knowing what Kingdom Hearts 3 eventually was, I was like, it feels like Kingdom Hearts 2 is reusing a lot more than I would have expected. But I'm not a Disney person, and I don't know what other options they really had. Mm-hmm. Like I think... It's less that they, like, had to reuse stuff so much as I think that it was an intentional choice because, like, it's part of the theme is, like, oh, like, you go back to the worlds and people are like, oh, hey, Sora, you're my best friend. Right. Uh, You know, like, Aladdin's like, hey, what's up? Uh, We forgot about you for a year or whatever. Hey, fuckface, how (laughs) you doing? Hey, So, yeah, I think part of that is that. Like, they wanted to return to certain ones because the whole, like, friendship theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I really like a lot of the new inclusions. Like, I think, like, Timeless River, Space Paranoids, and um, um, Port Royal, I think, are all, like, really cool choices. Um, regardless of what you think of the levels themselves, like, I mm-hmm. think they're all, like, really cool choices that they made. Uh, they like they stand out like isn't from the first one is like unique to two. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said Port Royal because I if I had to be the one that brought it up, I would have called it Port Nanzaro. <laughs> like that was I literally could not remember what the name of it was. Uh, and as you were listing levels off, I was like, oh Christ, what was the name of the level? Uh, yeah, those were actually the three that I was going to call out. Like I hate fucking looking at PS2 Johnny Depp more than anything in my whole world. <laughs> but when when I step back and actually think about it, the fact that it exists is very funny yeah. and is something that I appreciate existing. <laughs> it's just like when you're there, you're like, why is, why is this a real human person in a game set against Sora, who is a human that looks nothing like a real person? <laughs> it just becomes uncanny. Uh, in a really unsettling way. It's like the most recent Mario game, like the cat-based game, right? Where like it implies the existence of a parallel human species. Right, but what if the guy in Super Mario Odyssey was Johnny Depp? <laughs> like it's a person you it re- what if it was me like a person that you're just familiar with like that's what's fucked up about it mm-hmm. like but that's the only option they had they couldn't like make a a fucking 3d representation of one of the animatronic pirates from the ride and be like that's our pirates of the caribbean level it would be really weird and nobody would get it yeah fair although <laughs> it did look surprisingly good for the time though oh for sure yeah yeah Yep. I support the decision. I think especially since that was 
at or near like peak pirates. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad we got some some pirates rep. That's a level that they should not have brought back for the third one because mm. that was like my least favorite <laughs> level in the third game. Yeah, I mean, no point in having investing all that time and all those mechanics into like a, a ship combat system <laughs> when the perfect ship combat system in Kingdom Hearts was already made in this game uh-huh. <laughs> in in their revamped gummy ship system. Ooh. We're going to have some words. Let's talk about the gummy ship, ladies and gentlemen. So you engaged with this, because I, honestly, I started that sentence about, you know, Creedence 7, that you had at no point ever, ever engaged with the gummy ships at all. So in the first game, I liked the gummy ship levels and thought that the gummy ship editor was dog trash. Uh, and it was like needlessly complicated and difficult to do anything with. Uh-huh. But I really like the idea. I was a big Lego Racers fan when I was a kid uh, on the N64. And so the gummy ship has always been something. The gummy ship, this is one of the places where I think Kingdom Hearts 3 just takes the cake mm-hmm. because both the levels and the builder in 3 are both engaging and pretty good. Uh, my question was going to be. If either of you, long-term Kingdom Hearts fans, Mm -hmm. if Kingdom Hearts 2 had come out and the gummy ship was just gone, would you have cared? Not at the time, no. I would not have cared because I didn't enjoy the gummy ship in 1. But I, like, I forget the fucking award system that they have in 2 for the Mm -hmm. gummy ships. But like you get like ranked, yeah, like in I, medals or something. At like it like peak Kingdom Hearts time in like start <laughs> of high school, I like did everything with the gummy ships. Like it was like a parallel video game, and I beat it. <laughs> it really is though. It's an entirely different game. Yes, that they've just appended to this yeah. other game. I I would have cared. Like there's always something about the gumming ship that's like endearing to me, mm-hmm. even though I can't argue that it's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like in two, like I think I don't remember the specifics of this. I, I um, have not lo- looked into this in a long time. But like Square had, or like Enix or someone had worked on some kind of like ship combat game uh, before, and I think a lot of the people that worked on that worked on the Gummy Ship levels in two. Oh hell yeah! Uh, so yeah, it, it takes like a more like arcadey, like much different approach than the first game does. Yeah, they're vastly different. I I think that the levels in 2 feel like they don't give you any feedback. uh, Like, when you're actually playing them, you're like, there's no reticle like there is in the first game. uh, And so you just kind of have to trust that your lasers are going where you think they are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And everything's very bright and shiny, and there's a lot of noise. They're much, much easier than... I think the ones in either of the other games, because it's very much just mash the X button a lot mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to work with it. But yeah, I, 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 my question about it being relevant is really my main thrust. Mm-hmm. I feel like if the gummy ship was removed between kingdom hearts one and two, the whole franchise would be better for it. <laughs> Cause it seems like there's so much, it's not even like, because it is so bad. Cause it isn't, it's not so bad. It's in a middle ground. It's in a middle ground. And it just seems like there's so much work done that could have gone somewhere else. Yeah. It does yeah. seem like a lot of work was done. <laughs> yeah. Well, True. Birth by Sleep got rid of it. Like you just had like the little keyblade gliders. You did. That yeah. you just flew through space on. I'm actually kind of surprised that three didn't use a similar system. 
I'm trying to imagine what a Keyblade glider looks like, so, and I'm just gonna have to look it up <laughs> later. Yeah, like the characters, like they could like transform their Keyblades into like these things they rode through space. Like okay. Ventus's just looks like a like a snowboard, essentially, like that he just like flies through space on. That's extremely radical. Yeah, and Terrace looks more like a motorcycle, and like Aqua's is like a weird. Like Segway, <laughs> <laughs> they're all sexy and cool. Though. Yeah, oh, yeah. but there's like but yeah. space versions of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Uh-huh. but anyway, this driver not really a smooth transition from gummy ship to anything else because it's so vestigial and off on its own plane. True. Hey, you guys remember when they fucking killed Goofy? No, <laughs> no I don't. No, don't make me. I don't want to relive that <laughs> moment. <laughs> That's another one of those things, uh, I think, like Pete, where, like, I don't even hate the idea. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it happens, and then it is resolved in, like, five seconds. Yeah. You, like, it's clear so, two rooms. So strange. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even, like, let you feel anything before. It's like, no, actually, uh-huh. Goofy is alive. Like, it didn't even give you a chance to believe that they actually killed Goofy. It's just, it is just <laughs> such the wrong decision of a character to kill. Like, when Axel dies later in the game, you can believe that he might die because yeah. you don't know him. It's fucking Goofy. <laughs> like, the, if Kingdom Hearts killed Goofy and you were playing the video game, you would know that because you read about it in the goddamn newspaper. <laughs> the New York Times, front page news, video game canonically murders beloved Disney character Goofy. Like, that's, it's so unbelievable that Goofy would die that it just seems like a non decision to make i feel like that's kind of what they were going for like the shock factor like yeah like i I, it's so unbelievable they'd kill him like it must be it must really be going for it right to some extent that shock factor was definitely there because (laughs) one of the credits was like they're they're killing goofy like what what the well like even if they under even under the assumption that we all had them like they're not actually killing goofy you still have the thought of like who let them pretend to kill Goofy? <laughs> or like, what if? You know, yeah, like who signed off on this? Michael Eisner. There were memes yeah. about this. He was like, you know, I've never really liked Goofy. Can you, can you guys kill him? <laughs> Just to like show him what's up, you know? But like Goofy's feet are getting too big for his shoes. Can you like push him down a bit? <laughs> if Goofy's feet got too big for his shoes, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> And then the big slap in the face is when you get him back all of his equipment's off and you have three equipment. Or it would have been annoying if I owned more than three pieces of equipment, but whatever. Well, that as somebody who doesn't really play Final Fantasy, did uh, the whole like Final Fantasy, like, team-up, like, section do anything for you? It was so confusing, honestly. <laughs> I would, like, as soon as this game hits the third act, it just goes completely apeshit. Like, not, there, there's a criticism that mm-hmm. I largely agree with that a lot of times in the Kingdom Hearts games, the Disney worlds don't matter that much to the plot. It'll be, like, intro cutscene and the outro cutscene relate. And then everything that happens in the level is just, like, the plot of the movie or, in the case of Kingdom Hearts 1, usually something pretty good. Uh, 
And then, but for me, it was like everything was kind of working for me. And then the big fight at Hollow Bastion, and it's like Cloud is talking to Sephiroth, and he's like, Give the last, that last bit of light's the hardest to snuff out. And I'm like, <laughs> Then they fly away. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I've beaten Final Fantasy VII. This has nothing to do with that. Yeah. All these other people are showing up and yelling about shit, and I just like, I checked out. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, and then they kill Goofy, <laughs> and my fucking brain just goes into an entirely different body. And also, a Stitch runs by the screen. Stitch runs by. We're not talking about the summit. There's no point in talking about the summit. But I mean, like, in that cutscene, he's just in it. For no reason, he's just like shooting guns. He's got two guns, yeah, like guns akimbo. That's canonical. Stitch has always had two guns. It's just really funny. Like you get him as a summon, and then then in that cutscene, he's just fighting. Yeah, (laughs) I've had Chicken Little the whole game. Never saw him once in a cutscene. We know why that is, though. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh. No, we don't need to talk about summons, though. You're correct. I literally didn't use them, and I don't know how to use them. It's uh, well, there is a summon part of the menu. Oh, no, I never menu. saw it. <laughs> and it uses the drive gauge and not the magic bar. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, but summons are. If you are... discovered them, you would have been like, "Oh, I have to use. I can either pick between Chicken Little or, or my limit four. <laughs> yeah. 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 Summons are always like. One of the things in Kingdom Hearts I'm always, like, the saddest about. Because, mm. like, obviously it's awesome to, like, summon Genie or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, but, like, all three games, like, summons, like, you have to go out of your way to use them. Like, they've never found a good way to integrate them, and it just, like, makes me sad. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 did it best, actually. Yeah. It's the one that I actually use summons in. But it very it became pretty obvious that they were too good probably mm-hmm. and so i kind of stopped using well, them. and it also made them more obvious like where they have like utility because like i did some like kind of deep diving into like speed runs and stuff yeah over the past like month and a half as we've been playing these games <laughs> um and because like oh, what does it take to like do a level one playthrough or whatever um and i went down a rabbit hole but like there's stuff that you can do, like, where you, like, use summons to just, like, boost through damage and stuff. And then, like, I remember in KH3, a part of, like, the Xehanort fight where he, like, he shoots a bunch of dudes at you. I'm like, oh, like, I'll summon Simba, and then I'll, like, have to, like, all this, like, uh, yeah. be able to just tank this whole attack because I've, like, died to it three times. Like, that's how I'll beat it. <laughs> and I feel like, yeah, the system, like, made that more apparent to me. That's, like, a thing I could do right. in the third one. But we're not talking about that. No. <laughs> And hopefully we will never, ever again talk about Kingdom Hearts Yeah, we won't say a good thing about Kingdom Hearts 3 ever again. Yeah, I'm actually kind of shocked that you guys have remembered this much about it. Maybe it's like a trauma response, but like, I I remembered none of this. Like, not one word you've talked about 3 that I recall ever occurring or existing in the game. It could be that, but it's also the fact that I've had like a crisis of faith over the last month where I keep going like, is Kingdom Hearts 3 actually the good one? And like, I keep having to fight back like... What is it about it? Do I have to go replay Kingdom Hearts 3? Well, it would make sense to me you'd like it the best because it's got the most modern conveniences in it. It, it sure And does. isn't a PS2 game. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy also. <laughs> it's like the one of the easiest games in the franchise. But it's just... It, you're, it, you're safe here. I'm probably going to edit like a good chunk <laughs> of this conversation yeah. out. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. It's just... 
the thing I'm trying to like force the transition into. Oh yeah, is, please do. Uh, the fact that that the thing that we found so disappointing on Kingdom Hearts three was that, you know, the series started with a very tight narrative arc in one. It expanded with some dubious decisions in two and retcons that ultimately still ended in an extremely satisfying way for me. Mm -hmm. But then the like threads that were picked up from this, from a little bit from two, but mostly from Birth by Sleep, like had sprawled out into this grand promise that like three never picked up on. But it's it's difficult for me as an adult to really pick out like. Why is three the point that I hold such resentment for and not two for starting the narrative spiral? Like, because obviously two was like the beginning of the end in some point in (laughs) retrospect, but I am still like genuinely like very touched by a lot of the narrative arcs in two, despite like, you know, if, if I look at any particular point of the game under a microscope long enough it doesn't seem to stand under that kind of scrutiny particularly well. Like I'm, I'm worried that there's like a mirage of love there that I don't <laughs> want to break down for my own sanity. Yeah, I feel like it too. Like you, you still feel like they cared about two when they made it like the, the it's the narrative, like the, the quality of the narrative writing jumps off a cliff after two. Like it really feels like, there were a couple cool ideas in Birth by Sleep, but it really feels like Nomura doesn't care half as much as he used to about Kingdom Hearts and its story. Uh, and like, I think two really still feels like there's inspiration to it. Like it's still like, and as you said, like it it has a, it concludes like a couple of threads set up by one. Like yeah, it has some dubious decisions in it, but I think overall is still good. But like in the way that like the the latter games are like, I'm gonna it's it if it's like what people make fun of about like J.J. Abrams movies. It's like I'm gonna set up a mystery box mm-hmm. and like structure everything around it, and I have to never kill off any characters, and it's all the same ones. And anytime I introduce a new one, they're gonna be introduced in a black cloak. So whoever makes those in this universe has to be making so much money because mm-hmm. everybody has one. Uh, like it, the priorities shift so much more towards like, uh, how am I going to surprise you with this character reveal? And it seems like that's the, all that it really cares about anymore. And as far as the storytelling goes. Yeah. It's funny because the, it's a series that contains castle oblivion, a legitimate, honest to god mystery box <laughs> and they and, and they they've done such a, a a job at making all of these characters that are the fact that they're like 110 youtube think pieces about not even th- joke pieces it's whatever like a mockumentary is to a documentary is what these videos are to think pieces uh about the plot of kingdom hearts and I think it does. It all stems from the fact that it's impossible to keep characters differentiated. Like, you have to commit a huge amount of, of effort to just know who's on what side and who's doing what and what the sides even represent or stand for at any given time. Mm-hmm. Like, coming from my experience of knowing people who like Kingdom Hearts but not really getting into it myself, like, this game was very difficult for me to just sort of know who anyone was. Or why they were doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And then by the time Kingdom Hearts 3 rolls around, uh, it just was a meaningless 
comedy slam jam <laughs> of things that made no sense to me and and for my understanding not really to many other people either yeah like i guess a way to like kind of illustrate the difference is something like roxas is a character created for this game who has like a narrative arc and purpose and like ties mm-hmm. into like they have the nobodies to replace the heartless and like the organization 13 ties into that there's like ideas there mm-hmm. and you have something like birth by sleep where it's like well, what if, like, we had a character that looked like Roxas, and, like, that's it? <laughs> like, there's no point, and, like, it, 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 it just, it's surface level, I think, is what, mm. like, the latter games are, um, and it just tries to have that, like, who's who, and, like, this character looks like that character, and this, all oh, the surprise connection, and who's this guy? Yeah. And, like, that's where its priorities go. Yeah, the elemental aspects of the story of this game are very simple to understand because it is uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 deals with this duality of light and dark, and this one deals more with the heartless nobody divide. But it's easy to understand on a basic level, like, which thing is which and why they are what they are. Except if you really get fucking pedantic with it because heartless when you kill them release hearts so like don't do they not just have hearts <laughs> yeah, but you're you're getting lost in the sauce here like oh yeah you're no. talking about lore and the thing that kingdom hearts 2 continues to do that later games in the series do not at a narrative level is like still having thematic cores and not allowing inter-character relationships to spiral out of all control and meaning Right, like all of the scenes in the series, including when the games were starting to get bad, that are like resonant and interesting, are one person who cares about one other person for very mundane reasons, having like incredibly tragic situations. Like Roxas being deeply jealous of Sora and like not accepting his own death until the very end of the game, eventually, when he accepts that like his time is over and like you still have things to do in the world that he can't. Like, that's cool. Uh, it, all the Shion stuff, even though it doesn't pay off particularly well, is fine for just, like, very mundane reasons. Aqua as a character is cool in a narrative that is, like, spiraling out into nowhere. I, and this game chooses to spend, like, its last 20 minutes after, you know, you no longer need to create any button inputs at all about people, you know, about, like, kids, essentially getting to a point where they are comfortable with one another in a circumstance in which they both kind of assume in an unstated way because it's a kid's game that they're going to die. Like, there's lots of, like, weird implied death talk that was kind of... It feels snuck under the sensors in this game. It's very strange. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, no, me too. I, I, I don't think I ever interpret it that way as a kid that, like... Sora thinks Riku's dead the whole game. Like he shows up at the the last level. He's like, "I looked for you." You remember that scene? <laughs> oh, it's I like sure do. he thought he was dead, and it's like not said ever in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like that scene makes a lot more sense when you know that, <laughs> and doesn't just seem like melodrama. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to, but it's hard to to know that because of where the game chooses to put its focus, especially in dialogue. I think that there's a lot of things that that happen that 
want you to get lost in the sauce. It presents you with a lot of sauce <laughs> on top of a maze. That's and so it is hard to sort of find where the actual meaning is. And I didn't even get to the ending of this game. Yeah. So a lot of those narrative elements just never got wrapped up for me. I'm working on memories and retellings of memories. And so a lot of it is like, I don't know. So a chain trying of to, memories? A, like a chain of memories. Recoded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Into this sentence. Yeah. The specific uh, thematic beats that the game hits underneath all of that just copious amounts of sauce, uh-huh. uh, I think stick out to me so strongly, especially when I was younger, because there weren't a lot of media aimed at like teens that age designed to make you feel that way like it was really rare in which at the time i encountered media that was like inviting me to feel like bittersweet about things Mm. and in retrospect i think that goes very far to explaining why i was so endeared with this game uh because on a mechanical level a lot of the other games that have a similar style to kingdom hearts are just totally uninteresting to me right like i referenced devil may cry earlier and i like touched four once and was bored by it instantaneously that's my experience with four also (laughs) i'm a fan of the other game we did the first one Mm -hmm. uh like what 50 episodes ago or something (laughs) Uh, it's actually pretty good i believe you i believe you i'm just saying i'm not attracted to it on a mechanical level sure hearing that there are like other button mashers that could feel like kingdom hearts in play to me or is not attractive to me but if you told me that they were the like Yoko Shikamura had like done another soundtrack somewhere, mm-hmm. I would be drawn like that to a oh. moth to a flame. Play Xenoblade Chronicles. <sighs> <laughs> she did like a fourth of that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. oh God. <laughs> uh, but no, I totally agree. Um, I've, I've, I feel like it's easy for me to be critical of this game, but like I, I like it a lot too, and I've in fact like softened to it a lot over the years uh, as I've accepted the state of Kingdom Hearts and have stopped blaming two for all of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, like, like that's why, like, a a lot of people, like, love Roxas, I think, for a lot of the same reasons. Like, that that story really hits a lot of people in the face because, yeah, it's a bittersweet story, and it's something, I think you're totally right, a lot of media aimed at, like, teens wasn't like that at the time it's also another reason i really liked uh like the world ends with you yep. kind of like you connect with the characters in like a sad way that's almost like, i don't want to like compare it to like trauma bonding but like it does like you do really like grow to care about the character in a different kind of way yeah but in a way that's also specifically not nihilistic right like yeah. even when we were young there was no like paucity of of depressing stories but there weren't a lot of stories in which, like, characters were, like, smiling through tears. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I still like that as an adult. I'm sad that you stopped the game where you did because I really want to talk about all the Organization 13 boss fights. I mean, you can talk about it if you want. <laughs> I played the fucking, what are they called? The silhouettes in a shadow. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Absent silhouettes. Absent silhouettes. Uh, I I got into one of them and then i said this isn't for me to do right now mm-hmm. why would they put it here uh and then i never ever touched them again <laughs> i will say my least favorite fight in the entire game 
is against one of the Organization 13 members. Ooh, which one? Uh, it's the wind guy. Zaldin. I only ended up fighting like four of them over the course of the main story. Okay. Yeah, Zaldin. Yeah. Uh, but it's because he commits the cardinal sin of Kingdom Hearts combat, which is is invulnerable for huge periods of time <laughs> yeah. for no good reason. I feel like that's also like a really strange difficulty spike. Yeah, it was yeah. Enor- I, I just left and did the other stuff, came back yeah. when I had a few more levels like- on me. And it's one of the, like the couple of fights where like Mickey can save your ass. Yeah, that was always weird. That yeah. happened to me twice in the whole game. Now that's a good vestigial mechanic right there. Just uh, the yeah. random Mickey throwing in. That's <laughs> honestly one of my favorite decisions mechanically that they made. I yeah. don't even know what determines it, but I but it's rare enough that it happens like well, twice to yeah. everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's something I also should have looked up because like. You can get it to trigger multiple times in one fight. Like you can have him say, like die, have him save you, fight him some more, and then die again and have him save you a second time. Mm-hmm. So, and I have no idea what dictates it because sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, it's only in certain fights. Like it would be cool if it ha- could happen a little bit like more randomly. But I, I also like it a lot. That for it's like in Beast Castle, both of them are there. Oh when yeah, you fight the door. Yep. And then when you fight Zaldin, that's kind of weird. Oh, no, I didn't die on the door. The When you fight the boss of Beast Castle the first time around. Oh, he can save you there, too. Yeah, in the ballroom. Okay. okay. I was honestly embarrassed that I died there. And I wasn't <laughs> even going to bring it up, but yeah, you can. But yeah, very cool mechanic. Doing anything with Mickey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mickey plays a much bigger role in this. I should have mentioned that. When we're talking about characters... I like that Mickey does things in this game. So I actually learned a interesting fact about this um, the other day, is that this was the first game ever where Mickey was 3D modeled. <laughs> Not just the first game, like the first time ever. So like they didn't have like style guides for like what his head was supposed to look like in 3D. Uh-huh. So I think that's really greatly influenced the decision why he's only shown at the end of one and you only see him in silhouette so his ears are like on the side of his head. Oh, I actually know this. Uh, it, it did in part, but it wasn't a decision to the developers. It was a decision written into the contract uh, between Square and Disney. I found this at an, in one of those random old Nomura interviews I was trolling in prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was literally like, Apparently they said to him, you can have Mickey in the game once in a role as prominent as, quote, like a person at the back of a crowd waving to you. So, <laughs> so they had, so he had, well, the they delivered time. on that. Yeah. Right. And he was like, well, I can only do that with Mickey. It's pretty obvious what I have to do with him. Mm-hmm. So that's what he did. But anyway, yeah. So I guess they'd worked it out by this time and <laughs> could actually like put him in the game more. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he loses a lot of the mythology that he gets in the first game, mm-hmm. just by virtue of the fact that he's a, a you know a character with dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like because they put so much importance on him, and then they take that importance and then they put it on like eleven other people, and it makes it, it would feel weird if Mickey once again was just a shadowy enigmatic figure. We've now been inundated <laughs> with shadowy enigmatic figures. Yeah, so. they had to put him in a stupid Organization Thirteen hey, code for no how reason. How dare they do that? <laughs> I still actually don't know why. There is no. Oh, it's because they were traveling in the realm of darkness yeah, or whatever. The, the lore codes reason, protect you from it. That's why everyone has the coats. Is because the coats are like an interdimensional travel safety device. Oh, okay. Yeah, that actually, I'm fine with that. <laughs> in fact, there's probably more. 
to that explanation, and I wish that there was not. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It, it's yeah. get, it, they actually, in fact, <laughs> probably have so much more information that it's getting to the point where they're going to have to explain where the coats come from in the game. Oh yeah, I bet they've done be, that. Honestly, it would be. It would actually be. It would actually be his. Hysterical. If in Kingdom Hearts 4 you went to the Black Coat Factory. <laughs> and they wouldn't need a factory. Like, it, it's not like there's a small number. There's been, like, over, what, 40 distinct coats and coat wearers at this point? I don't know about 40, but I'm it's a sure lot. There's it's a, a lot, lot of them in the mobile game. There's a lot of coat folk. That's true. Yeah. Coat Mickey's folk. has, like... The ear cutouts? Yeah, bespoke Mickey ears <laughs> on it, which is a... That's like a custom order yeah. cloak. That's the whole thing. It's a whole tailor mm-hmm. situation going on. Yeah. They should have they should have just been like, in order to travel in the realm of darkness, you have to coat yourself in like You the, had to coat yourself. Coat yourself in like dark mud. <laughs> it's like mud that exists in the darkness realm, and then everyone was just like walking around Covered just like mud. dripping mud. <laughs> It's like tar. <laughs> yeah. At least then you don't have to explain the fucking coats to anybody. You can just say, oh, yeah, that's why they look like that. You can have the reveal where somebody like comes in. They've got like a little smudge on their cheek they didn't quite clean off. You're like, you've been in the realm of darkness. Because <laughs> of that well, mud on yeah, Because of that mud you got. In yeah. the first game. Namur, like, call me. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever Maleficent gives Riku the ability to control the Heartless, he gets like weird like glowy fire around him. Mm, yeah. Why not just use that effect? That'd be pretty cool. Like, yeah, he he travels through the darkness with that mag magic or whatever in the first game. Yeah, game developers from twenty years ago. (laughs) Yeah, what are you thinking? What the fuck? That's part of that's one of our like main segments on the show these days, where we try to we come up with a better version of the game that we're playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We already talked about how they killed Goofy, so that's that was like my big thing. That yeah, I, it was I, good. I kind of mentioned the Cavern of Remembrance earlier. I don't know if you had anything to say about it. You guys um, have fun. There's like there's, there's a thing they added in Final Mix where in Hollow Bastion, like a big rock or something smashes a hole in the castle. You go in, it's like a new dungeon, and you need like all the drive forms leveled up all the way to get to the data fights and. Uh, for like in the end game like secret bosses as you alluded truly excellent addition the game needed like more of a post game that really leveraged all the tools that your character has at that point um i really really enjoyed all of the fights that i brought took in i'd never beaten them on critical but i've beaten all of them like on proud something like that but yeah honestly i don't know that's very impressive a lot of a lot of the <laughs> twists are fine a lot of people make fun of the marluxia fight but i actually enjoyed that one too mm-hmm. just it, it's you seem to, to dislike a lot of the one-on-one fights, Jed, but yeah. uh, because they were like the one time the game actually exerts meaningful pressure on you, I have a lot of positive associations with all of them. Yeah, like in when they added them in KH3, I beat most of them, but like KH2, I've never beat any of them. Like they're so hard uh, to me anyway. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think the Cavern of Remembrance itself is the thing I really like because I think... It's emblematic of, like, stuff they could do with the other, like, Disney levels to make them feel more substantial. It's, like, add, like, an optional dungeon. Or, like, I know, in, like, in KH3, in the Caribbean level, like, after you beat it, like, you can just sail around to the other islands you don't need to go to in the story and just explore them. Like, reasons to go back to the levels and have, like, optional stuff to do. 
like where you have like uninterrupted gameplay and you aren't doing like a strict linear sequence through the whole thing, I think would add a lot to the games. They got scared off by the initial reaction to KH1's exploration, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, that game at the time had such a reputation for having like like janky platforming segments that uh, they, I mean, they probably intentionally pushed for that more linear structure and mm-hmm. it almost certainly helped all the suits that now knew that this was like a meaningful property that would get tons of attention to like pass off on more of the linear narratives that they were being handed is genuinely a big bummer i think like i i talked about this uh a little bit on the on the last episode on the the epilogue because when replaying kingdom hearts one the big thing that held me back with liking the game with like enjoying playing the game is that the levels were designed in such a way that were like when there was combat it felt like the levels were too small but then when you had to actually do anything it felt like the levels were too like layered and confusing and i it, kingdom hearts 2 feels like they really nailed the mechanical aspects of the game fighting things in an arena almost always felt good wherever they put enemies it made sense that there were enemies and usually there was something else there to make it more interesting to actually fight them and let the, the combat actually work. But then the experience of actually playing through the levels has turned into walk down hallways and watch cutscenes. In the cutscenes, somebody's going to put you in a cab and take you to the, wherever the next place you need to go is. And it takes a lot of the magic out of the Disney part of it, uh, which is... Not a big deal for me, I guess, in the long run, Uh, but probably is for a lot of people. You're no longer exploring a world. You're being taken on a tour. Mm -hmm. With Disney-themed wallpapers? Yeah. It's, in fact, somehow, despite being a video game, less of a simulacrum of a real (laughs) Disney space than Disney World is. (laughs) So that was, like, my other thing, I think. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to talk about the final boss. Oh, yeah. Hit me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that... Chad goes on his phone immediately, <laughs> instantaneously. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've criticized the ending of KH2 a little bit. I know it's part of like our very old bonus episode oh, uh, yeah. where he, t- he takes energy <laughs> he attacks to the, the face, face constantly. constantly. Um that like I always thought it felt a little silly and like it jumped from like an like a seven to an eleven on the shonen anime scale Hell where you're yeah. like jumping from buildings and cutting buildings in half Hell and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I remember it. Now. Yeah. Um, but I will say I do love Zebra Zemnis, like the final final boss. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. one of my favorite final bosses like in a game. Agreed. Yep. Completely perfect. I. Uh... Uh, don't at me. I know nothing about audio. Ask Chad about audio things. Uh, but anytime <laughs> I get like new headphones or a new speaker system or a stereo or anything of that re- of that respect, I just like put on like the final boss music from Kingdom Hearts Two. Since I have listened to it so many times that I know exactly what it is supposed to sound like. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've had when I was real little and naive and just like colors and explosions and things like that. Uh, it would I thought it was like my favorite boss fight in any game forever mm-hmm. um but yeah presentationally it's perfect tonally it's perfect uh, the kind of skills that you have like it's a genuine test it is actually difficult and it's not just like a press triangle to win situation you have to be real judicious about when you press that triangle what mm-hmm. the triangle does 
and like for the reversal mm-hmm. with all the vines going all the I way still up. don't know how to not take damage in that part <laughs> uh yeah no, I love like the thematic stuff too like I like that last time at the end of the last game Sora Riku gets separated this time they stick together um and get separated from everybody else I like I never caught this at the time but when I replayed it when the PS4 version came out years ago in the boss fight when at the very beginning when Xemnas picks Sora up he says you will go together and then in the cutscene later when they get up from the beach like Sora extends his hand to Riku and says we'll go together he's quoting Xemnas I never picked up on that I think that's really cool um I like that the ultimate attack where he shoots all the lasers at you like I had trouble with that as a kid like trying to mash both triangle and x and like i had the, the moment where i turned the controller and hit the both at the same time with the two different thumbs like that was like a cool almost like kojima moment where i was like oh, i had to turn the controller um and that retroactively like when i was playing it like it makes uh limits easier yep uh so i was just like oh i now have this little technique that i do um hand-based friendship yeah, there's a part where you have to like control riku like it's just a really well executed fight and uh it is actually hard and it yeah it hits all the right beats i didn't play it <laughs> last time i played it i was i was 14 years old honestly worth oh no okay not right now there's so many good games out right now i want to recommend <laughs> that it's worth finishing the game from where you are just oh. for that fight but not if you have to delay Baldur's no. Gate 3. And also, I'm 11 levels under-leveled for where I am right <laughs> yeah. now wow. and have to, like, go grind. Yeah, given that we do this podcast, I'm going to say it's definitely not worth it for you to go back and finish it. Yeah. Do we have Nixol thoughts? <laughs> uh, my Nixol thoughts are... Uh, so, yeah, KH2 is a, like a big one for me um uh, kingdom hearts one is my favorite game and i think even back in 2005 when i play in kh2 for the first time something about it felt like kind of off uh, and i never really knew how to put it into words um and it, it's just that like i there's a lot that i like about the first game that's just not carried over um and i've always kind of held it against kh2 like in my mind i still kind of have that like I feel like they could do like a merging of what was good about the first one and the second one and like actually make like a good modern Kingdom Hearts game. But like that's neither here nor there Uh, because KH2 is actually a really great game. I think I played it on critical mode for the first time uh, for this. And honestly, like if you are a Kingdom Hearts fan and you haven't, like I think that's the way to play the game. Like you actually have to engage with the reaction commands and like all the tools you're given in a way you don't in the vanilla version of the game um that made me appreciate it a lot more uh as an action game this time around um i didn't uh quite get into it enough to do the data fights Uh, i still think that they're ludicrously hard and i'm not even going to touch lingering well um but um it's like you fight Terra's armor. It's like a super boss. Uh, the Cum Guardian? Uh, the Cum Guardian? Yeah, he is the Cum Guardian, but that's a KH3 spoiler. Uh, um, <laughs> in in KH1, when you fight Ansem, yeah. his Guardian guy, like when he uses the attack, he says on Guardian. But it's a meme on the internet. It sounds like he says Cum Guardian. 
Uh, and I that's thought what, he did say. Com I think he Guardian. says. I think he says on Guardian. Right, but, but it's just funnier to put the, Yeah, like I just funnier to put the emphasis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's what come Guardian means. But anyway, um, but yeah, I found myself. Um, I, I don't get as engaged with the story personally of KH two. Like it's one where like the first game, if I replay it, I usually get pretty sucked into the story, and in two, I'm skipping those cutscenes. <laughs> Um, except for, you know, the certain parts that I like, but, um, yeah, I I still like enjoy replaying it. I think, yeah, like there's a lot of, as we alluded to earlier, there's like a lot of depth there that you never have to engage with, but the A is actually pretty rewarding to go for. Um, and I thought it was interesting that like, cause I was, <laughs> I forgot to capture footage for it and had to replay a chunk <laughs> of it. And I play replayed the chunk I did to, capture the footage on standard mode Mm -hmm. and i found like it was interesting the way they balance things differently because like there's like the in the timeless river there's the fight with the building on fire um which is a nightmare and it's hard in the standard mode because the time limit goes up so fast but it's hard and critical just mechanically to like kill the cars so i think it was interesting how it was balanced differently and i still died on standard mode in and sparts that I thought I was going to bulldoze through. So I think they actually, like, unlike a lot of games, put a lot of thought into the difficulty levels and how they are different. So gold star for that. Because uh, that's pretty rare in my experience. Um, so, yeah, uh, positive experience for me. Um, I, KH2 it was always, like, a fringe favorite um, that had that, like, black spot for me just by being in the shadow of my favorite game ever made. So... That's all I got. Okay. My Nick self thoughts. <laughs> it's always weird to go back to media. Uh, it, it's always weird to unearth media that is really core to your identity, uh, especially when it is young. Like, we tend to operate most of our most of the time under the partial truth that we are like going through different medias and applying whether or not it's a critical lens or at least a preferential lens over the certain types of media that we encounter uh, and that we are the person who's like opening up the gates and like letting it into ourselves and making it a part but if you go back back that causal chain far enough no matter who it is like you'll eventually like you know each of our stories is dependent on entirely arbitrary circumstances. Like at some point your, your dad fucked your mom, you know, like it all, (laughs) like it's, it's, it's all artificial at some level. And there is always a point at which those artificial circumstances compound enough that it creates the lens that you are then applying to the world. Right? Like there's a point at which what composes you is in aggregate is more important than the things that you are encounter when like enough of your history has existed for you to be an independent thing uh so i can't like there's a critical part of me who wants to go back to kingdom hearts 2 look at it and maybe try and reevaluate like whether or not it should have been that compositional part of my identity or like whether some past version of myself was correct for caring this much about this thing but i think that's that kind of misses the point in a way uh like i in some meaningful sense as silly as it is to say i was not myself before i got this into kingdom hearts 2 
before Derek on happenstance like showed me some super weird Disney game with like a bunch of emotional tweens talking about how much they're going to miss each other. Uh, uh, and, you know, it, it, it no longer makes sense to try and think of myself as having any kind of, of having a, a symmetrical identity before that point instead of after. All I can really do is kind of point to it and smile. And I'm hoping that um, the fact that I'm still smiling comes across. And I was along for the ride. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, <laughs> it is true. It's it's these are games that I played and then didn't ever play or think very much about ever again uh, until I started hanging out with these people, and it became a uh, like a constant in my life, but one that I never out of either sheer disrespect or <laughs> an abundance of, of uh, ignorance, never thought to go back and actually re-experience it anyway or to delve deeper into. Uh, so I'm coming at this from, like, I would say our more bog-standard angle of I played an old game and I said, oh, this game's old and that's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> but there is a lot of... of notable i think from a game design perspective right kingdom hearts 2 is a really notable game because of what it did working off of kingdom hearts 1 of being a game that was almost surprisingly successful maybe not even almost just surprisingly successful i don't think people knew how much Kingdom Hearts 1 would would rock everyone's ass. And so having Kingdom Hearts 2 as, as seeing how that iteration happened, and this is after one or two, how many games came between the two? Chronologically? Two, just, 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 one. just one? Okay. Yeah. Having a game in between to sort of smooth out that transition. I think that Kingdom Hearts 2 is, is a it is a much more enjoyable experience as an old fogey to go back and play because you are, it feels more like you expect it to. Kingdom Hearts 1 feels a lot clunkier, but I think that Kingdom Hearts 2 loses the magic that Kingdom Hearts 1 had in and replaces it with its own different magic. It's like, and it's obviously the magic that they've run with since. And so it ends up being this weird mixed bag where like, I'm imagining a game that is some combination of the two that would be the ideal perfect version of these games uh and i'm realizing that i thought we were done here and in reality we're going to have to reconvene at some point in the future to talk about birth by sleep probably yes. uh, <laughs> uh so i guess we'll see what happens uh with that and see if i'm i'm proven incorrect or correct about any of my assumptions mm -hmm. um well yeah that's that's all no matter what happens i promise you we're not going to keep dragging you down the rabbit hole it's going <laughs> to end there because there is no force on earth that can make me replay um dream drop distance so. oh yeah that's true. there's at least a hard cutoff point at at 3d yeah i've tried it it's it's pretty rough to go back to <laughs> it's rough also, I do want to shout out Jafar for having the biggest uh, abs, the biggest abs in Kingdom Hearts two, <laughs> and also the biggest drop off in quality uh, from being a bad boss to being a heinous crime. <laughs> uh, so, really, didn't did not deserve that. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? We said. 
that we weren't going to do April this year. And we fucking got you. City of September next time. Uh, So (laughs) we're doing more monkey themed games. Hell yeah. Uh, Just like everyone definitely wanted us to do. Uh, And the first one that we're doing isn't actually going to be DK64. Right? Uh, wrong, actually. We are doing Donkey Kong 64. It was all a big joke and also a lie, and you fell for it. Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our email, the Discord, where you can suggest games for us to talk about or suggest for us to stop doing dumb theme months and we won't listen to you. Uh, and you can find our YouTube channel, or you can listen to any of our old episodes, including the one we just did on Kingdom Hearts 1. The one that we did on Kingdom Hearts 1 a long time ago. The Kingdom Hearts 3 episode. Kingdom Hearts 3. and uh, Xehanort's Day yeah. Off. The story explanation yeah, episode. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts Explained. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when I said that there were a bunch of thing pieces, we also did that. <laughs> like, it was that ubiquitous. We yeah. don't even usually do things like that. I, I felt like I needed to, like, give you something <laughs> to work with. Resembling That's context fair. before the third game. Like, it's almost right. Yeah, it feels like a joke that they expected anybody who hadn't been doing the homework to have any idea what was happening in the third game. That is best. true. They did yeah. their best to give everyone the homework late. With all the little I guess. combo packs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Sevens. Yeah. Yeah. So and Dan- then they gave it a stupid name, like 2.7, and no one bought it. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts true, 3 but... episode is definitely the one to listen to after this one, I <laughs> yeah. would say. Yeah. Miyamono's Bono. That's no. a different episode. Uh, a Honker of Steak. Honker, Honker of Steak. Steak. That's it. Yeah. Katamari is the Miyamono's Bono. Correct. Leave us a honker of a comment. <laughs> In the comments section. And if you're Miyamono, leave your Bono in the comment section. <laughs> On the like button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Use it to depress the like button, which I assume you have as a literal key on a keyboard. <laughs> Don't interact with me in any way. <laughs> and as always, hashtag keep Ansem as Ansem. Woo. I went to Catholic school. I mean, I was taught to defeat my enemies. (laughs) 